Did I ever tell you guys about the one time that I did six tabs of acid and then seven grams of mushrooms and uh, 20 milligrams of 2CB right up my nose while peeking on the six tabs and seven grams in public? Yeah, I don't think I did. Prologue. It is so nice to take a break from school and to focus on one of the most powerful psychedelic experiences that I've ever had in public. A lot of my personal stories focus on myself doing an ungodly amount of mind-altering substances in the safety of my mom's basement, <clears throat> but not this time. I like doing large amounts of drugs all at once. With severe depression, it is hard to feel anything on low to moderate doses. During the peak of my use, I was not eating healthy or lifting weights. I was pretty incomplete in most facets of my life. I didn't have a choice. I had to go big or go home. A broken child had turned into a broken man. From spending most of my life locked inside of a cell without my skin ever seeing the sun, I was a man with nothing to my name, and if I didn't do something soon, I would die, or even worse, never become successful. I needed to use psychedelics. I needed to change my brain, because if I didn't, I would die. I would still be in prison. I had to go above and beyond when ingesting psychedelic compounds so I could have the best access to their countless benefits. I needed to wipe my mind from all the trauma I endured from being isolated as a child and the horrors of living and interacting with murderers and rapists on a daily basis for years. I like pushing myself to the brink of mental, physical, and spiritual exhaustion. Psychedelics, as you all know, are the perfect tools for just that. Exploring the consciousness. Becoming mindful of who you are and why you do the things you do, why you behave a certain way in certain situations with certain people. I was fucked up. I gave up on life, on myself. My mind was shite. I had to figure out why. I had to figure out what exactly went wrong, why I kept on taking one step forward, but then two steps back. I went from taking college courses as a 14-year-old to taking classes for the mentally disabled only a year later. Under the skin of the demon I transformed into, there was potential. There was happiness and love. I just had to find it. I hoped that these drugs would help me find what I had been searching for. Self-conducted psychedelic therapy sessions saved my life. It saved it. I gambled with my mind by taking heroic doses of psychedelic substances with the hope that I would improve my mental capacity. Staying very active and eating very healthy has kept the flame alive. Psychedelics though is what sparked the success. When crossing the road, I used to hope, I used to pray that a car would hit me, that I would finally die in the constant suffering would end. Now, I'm so happy with my life, my mind, and all of my problems, I don't even need drugs. Trip Report 
I got six tabs of Pure L on my tongue and before you know it, the paper is falling apart and the blotters have all come together to form one giant 600 UG's glob of acid. I swallow it. Hint, hint, Jessica. I swallowed. I didn't spit. I regress. I weigh out an eighth of some penis envy mushrooms and then another eighth. Eating shrooms is a challenge, no matter how many grams. It's a vile and disgusting experience. Ugh, I wish shrooms tasted like Skittles. Instead, they taste like Nana's 80-year-old pinky toe. I was gonna say another body part, uh, glad I didn't. Apologize to anyone eating right now, for I have failed you. Forcing 7 grams of grandma foot down my gullet is quite the accomplishment. I chew the shrooms as little as possible so they're just barely swallowable. Then I chase the poopy tasting fungi with some room temperature H2O. Not sexy, but simple and effective. It's a beautiful day out and as I wonder about taking a little stroll outside before the drugs take hold, a friend comes over. A very close friend that I've known for nearly the entirety of my life. My favorite part of taking an extreme dose of psychedelics is that you don't have to be patient. I remember the first time I did five tabs. It hit me like a train just after five minutes. That wasn't LSD either, but 25D NBOME. Don't ever do that, okay guys? Anyways, we're walking and I'm feeling good. Then very shortly after, I'm feeling great. The come up is such a euphoric experience. There is anxiety, yes, but I push through it very easily, even on seven grams and six tabs because I know not to take the come up for granted. The come down on psychedelics is extremely annoying and has been the catalyst in why I stopped tripping. Other than them being highly illegal, the come down is just shit. If you're with a girlfriend or friends, then the come down can make for a good time. But most of the time, I wasn't fortunate enough to have that. My dream is to be able to trip with concubines or with friends sometime when I'm an adult with a great life and plenty of time to waste. I cannot, cannot wait to reach that part of my life when I have concubines, motherfucker. But I'm not there yet. My reckless behavior led to seven years where I cycled between complete gluttony of food and drugs to incarceration, then finally depression. Depression led to an excess of drugs to cope with a dismantled existence after getting released from jail, which in turn would lead to another jail sentence. Do I have regrets? No. But I must work harder than most people my age to make up for seven years that were mostly squandered. My point is, the come down is absolutely god-awful when you have ambition and need to get stuff done. You can't. At least I can't. My body can only consume junk food when the brain is burnt out. I look like shit. And most of the time the next day is complete garbage due to not being able to sleep because of the long-lasting drugs still in my system. If I'm successful and have plenty of money, two days spent tripping, then recuperating isn't so bad. But when you're going to school full time, 
when you're trying to break out of the lower class, from poverty, from debt, into a life where money is of no concern, two days spent not reaching and completing goals is devastating. The psychedelic renaissance is fully underway. Drugs are being decriminalized and legalized seemingly everywhere. It's not taboo for scientists to talk about psychedelics anymore. The internet and social media has hurt society significantly, especially social media, as many young adults don't have the self-discipline to take breaks from the incredible dopamine surge that TikTok and Instagram provide. But the internet has allowed for us to become more knowledgeable about the many healing properties that exist within so many magical substances and how they've been outlawed not for the safety of our society, but to profit off of the incarceration of minorities and people in the lower class. That is a whole nother podcast episode. My friend asks if I want to go for a walk. I'm on seven grams and six tabs. Hell yeah, let's go for a walk. Before heading out the door, I put on my backpack that has 20 milligrams of 2CB inside of it along with my wallet. I won't need to buy anything, but I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. The drugs start to take hold, but not fully. I'm in full control for now. I was staying in an apartment in the nicest side of town, right next to the place I currently live in. Lake Michigan, one of the Great Lakes, one of the largest bodies of water in the world, is just minutes away. The east side is just beautiful, and the day is perfect. Not a cloud in the sky. The weather is in the mid to high 70s. You won't sweat and you won't freeze. No gross humidity. For all the flack that Wisconsin gets for having atrocious weather, that stereotype is slowly fading away as the winters get more tame as I get older. Spring has already arrived and there was only one week in the whole winter where it was totally sufferable to go outside. As a child, I remember there being plenty of snow days and snow was everywhere, all the time. It was horrible. Everything looked dead and miserable. It was unbearable to stand outside most of the time for a long time. November to mid-April was just complete and utter shit. Not anymore. Whenever it snows, the snow melts away in a day or two. This winter was easy too easy. Thankfully, it wasn't winter, but a legitimately perfect day. I didn't have any weed, and I couldn't smoke any weed. My friend had weed, and he could smoke the weed. If I had been smoking, this story would have been much different, but as we traveled to the beach, the come-up mixed with the underrated exercise that is walking made for an incredible feeling of energy that boiled outwards from my soul to my skin. It's so fun to feel weird. It's so fun to be a child again. To see everything as special as it truly is. The houses we walk past are glorious, humongous mansions. Holy shit, I spelled humongous without having to Google it. You see, the drugs worked. Between the plants, the colorful houses, and the weather, I didn't feel like I was in Wisconsin. 
but as if I was in the Bahamas. Here I am in public, tripping on a heroic dose of acid and shrooms, not creating a scene, not losing my mind, not making a fool out of myself, but indulging in the beauty of this reality. It's incredible how much we've evolved as a species. Look at where we were a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. Children born now will be able to live to a hundred quite easily. We look like aliens, like wizards compared to the primitive people of the early 20th century. If we don't nuke ourselves to hell, I think the future is very, very bright. Ignore all the fear-mongering you see on social media. They need clicks. No one reads the newspaper. No one watches TV. Everything I know about the world comes directly from the internet, from apps on my phone. Back in the day, a journalist had to create a moving or informative piece by a deadline which would be carefully edited and then printed. Nowadays, a dude can say reptilians are secretly taking over the world, make up evidence, and can post the video for the whole world to see. All the clickbait BS is clickbait BS. If you have anxiety about how awful the world is, just know that the world has never been safer. We are far from perfect. China and Russia are fucking lunatics, but we are making progress. As I walked with my friends without going on Twitter or Reddit or Instagram, all those stupid and worthless posts couldn't affect me. Prison wasn't that bad. Prison was more like a meditation. I read books and wrote. I listened to music and some of the craziest stories ever told. I was always pretty happy in jail and prison because all you do is socialize. You talk face to face, not over Facebook, but a real human interaction. Now I was in the hole. I did suffer solitary confinement. Fuck that. Oh my God, just pure torture. But hey, how is locked in a cell by yourself any different than being locked in your room with a screen to your face? Technology is fantastic, but still foreign. It's not natural, and one has to watch carefully how often they use it. I know of a fellow student who cannot escape the constant dopamine rush that you can find in a smartphone. He reminds me of the drug addicts that I once surrounded myself with. But instead of heroin, it's his phone. We get to the beach, sit beneath a tree, and he begins to smoke. I'm so articulate when I'm on acid. If we could harness that intellect that acid provides for more than just a couple hours, we could become gods. I wonder if though, am I really more intelligent? Or do I only feel? more intelligent without actually being intelligent if science hasn't found the answer yet i can't wait until they do i love being in public high as fuck people having no clue that i'm on such a high dose of a potent substance that would obliterate most humans yet i'm walking as if i were sober it's like i'm acting there's a big secret i have and they don't know these same people that are too cowardly to take half a tab because they don't want to have a bad trip. 
Every girl tells me that. I'm going to open this place, guys. A place where you can trip for your first time and not have to worry. Just yourself or a group of friends can rent out a room, an area, whatever. And we'd provide everything necessary so you wouldn't have a bad trip. Trip sitters would be available, a doctor, everything. There would be the most comfortable furniture and beautiful artwork that you could stare at for hours while breaking through to the other side while not having to worry about your girlfriend who doesn't approve of your acid trips. Your mom who is okay with you still living with her through college but is not okay with you using drugs. For all the girls who have so much freaking anxiety, for the noobs, I could go on and on. Every time I mention these substances to people, especially women, they say that just the chance of having a bad trip is enough for them to never trip at all. It's not. You can die in a car. Easily. Does that stop you from driving? Your girlfriend could dump you. Does that stop you from pursuing a girlfriend? A place where people wouldn't have to worry as much would benefit all of these people who are on the border of using psychedelic substances. As you guys know, you only need to trip once to achieve a more fulfilling life. All they need is one trip to make them understand what we've been saying all along. All the fucking time. We are so close guys, god I pray World War 3 does not happen. I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube a month back on Taiwan. And now China has the plan to take it back by 2049 or some crap. I stopped watching those videos because how is worrying about a conflict between America and China going to help me accomplish my goals? I love Twitter, but how does Twitter help me achieve my goals? It doesn't. We all need more balance in our lives when it comes to using social media. To those of you who don't, I salute you. My friend smokes from his bowl as I sit there in my litty state, very much in control, but certainly tripping balls. To be honest, this is why I like tripping alone. You dive deeper into an altered state of consciousness. There's no one to remind you that you're a human on earth who lives in a studio apartment and sleeps on a futon. You slip past this world onto the next, but tripping with others is certainly an experience everyone who is mentally stable must have at least once. You ride off of the emotions brought on by your conversation. In one second, you can be laughing, the next crying, the next terrified, and after that, uncontrollably laughing as you realize you were scared for no reason at all. Little tiny experiences like those is what helps you regain your power over fear in the real world when you're sober and you're about to approach a girl or guy that you quite like. This is why tripping is essential. It teaches you about yourself. You learn why you do certain things. Do I really like alcohol or am I just getting drunk as fuck as an excuse to not chase my dreams because what if I chase my dreams and I fail? What ifs will lead you to a miserable existence? You'll be one of those cringeworthy boomers treating Facebook like their diary, complaining about the youth while not doing anything in your life to help anyone but yourself. And you failed to do that. 
Tripping with others is an adventure unlike any other. You both are in a roller coaster that takes you to places in your minds where you never thought existed. Not only are you in this remarkable realm that you could never have imagined, but so is Tom. My friends was not tripping. I had a trip setter. Perfect. Nothing will go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. The day was immaculate. The drugs were top tier. I was a seasoned veteran and I was going to make the day my bitch. Show reality who's actually in charge. We move to a more secluded part of the beach. On the north end, there's primarily rocks. No volleyball courts full of babes. Nor tiki bars with Wisconsinites drinking unlike any other as the crazy bastards they are. There was just rocks. Milwaukee is incredibly segregated. One second you're in the hood, the next you're in a glorious suburb. The same goes for the beach. We were the only two on the rocks as I whipped my dick out hoping no one would see my tiny pecker as I peed into the forest that was separating us from the normies walking to the beach on the sidewalk. I feel good, comfortable, happy and content, but I want more. I want to be fucked up. I want to be ripped out of this dimension into another where time doesn't exist and Kardashians are poor and have to work for nickels and dimes just like me. For this to happen, I would need more drugs. Precisely why I brought the 2CB. This some bitch could do just that. Eating it can lead to one of the most pleasurable experiences you'll ever have. Snorting it. <clears throat> Snorting it is for people who like to suffer, who enjoy the challenges that life provides for us on a daily basis. I didn't mind prison, and I won't mind this tiny line either. That was pure BS. Prison sucked, and the last time that I snorted 2CB, I was crying on the phone while my friend who's smoking weed right next to me was also next to me on that day, just trapped in my iPhone. You guys would die laughing watching me curl up on the floor with blood dripping out of my nose after puking from a little, tiny, feminine line of some drug that you've never heard of. Right? I'm preparing myself for the worst. For hell to be unleashed upon my soul. Specifically, my nose. Here we go. I shuffle around my bag, get my wallet, take the 2CB out, and pour it onto my phone. I crush up the tan powder with my food stamps card and roll up a George Washington to break through to the other side. I inhale the powder softly, yet confidently until it's all gone. Here we go. And nothing. The acid in which I thought would make the pain more powerful instead numbed my nose. The back of my nostril and throat were irritated, but that was it. Incredible. I sat on those rocks with my friend as we looked upon the all-encompassing blue canvas that is the sky on top with Lake Michigan on the bottom. Looking at water never, never gets old. It's like a form of meditation. How for thousands upon thousands of years our species yearned for a body of water such as this right in front of me. How our lives used to be centered around 
eating just enough to survive along with mating and finding shelter for the night. No conversation about if transgenders should be allowed to compete in women's sports or how screwed this world might become in late-stage capitalism. We just survived. I think that's why jail and prison at their core aren't as awful as you might think. There's no job, no relationship drama, no taxes to pay, no traffic to sit in, just a room with books, time with friends, phone calls to family. I used to call my brother once a week. Now I don't have enough time to even text him. It's so peaceful sometimes in prison, so nice. Then again, there's no moisturizer, so jail can fuck off. My friend and I sit and talk, enjoying the scenery and each other's company. He always felt like crap and he's going through a tough period. We somehow get to the elephant in the room. My friend isn't the most attractive. He tells me how much it hurts him to look in the mirror. Remember when I said, when tripping with others you can be laughing one second and crying the next? I couldn't imagine how it would be to look in the mirror. Just subpar. I used to do that to myself for quite some time, especially when I didn't have a good skincare routine and when I ate like crap, and I just felt horrific. I felt like a complete shell of myself. I didn't feel whole, I had no confidence, and I couldn't imagine anyone feeling like that for the entirety of their life. Everything in this shitty reality is based on looks. If you need an example, go on YouTube Dream. This poor simp is covering his face once more from all the hate online. To be fair, it's just a stunt to get more viewers, but in truth, just sad. The playing field isn't even for all humanity. America is the best because with just enough hard work and luck, you can become anything you want. That's a lie. It's still a great place to find prosperity compared to much else of the developed world. But being attractive plays an essential role when it comes to being successful. There's plenty of people who are doing great in the world that look like a deformed piece of poo. All the power to them. It just sucks to know so many are held up because of the way that their nose is shaped. Something stupid to care about if you truly care about yourself, but most people are not enlightened enough to see that. Not lucky enough to stumble upon some fungi that can lead them to seeing this world in a more positive light. I hope to go to a reality more based in justice than this one one day. I wonder if such a place exists. Enough time has passed to where the both of us are hungry. We decide to leave the sanctuary of the beach and ascend upwards the hill to a pizza place called Ian's. Ian's is perfect for college students when it's 1am and nothing else is open, or for people tripping on 6 tabs, 7 grams, and 20 milligrams of 2CB. It's pizza sold by the slice, and my god, does it hit the spot when you're high. I like pizza. Any pizza. Jack's pizza, school pizza, pizza made in prison. I love it all. It's so horrible for you, which makes it taste so much better. I don't remember much of the walk to the pizza parlor, but I do remember entering it, or attempting to at least. 
I was competent enough to cross the road with my trip sitter, but not enough to open the door. I was tripping so hard that I couldn't open the door. Oh my God, I'm so lit that I can't even realize that I've reached the ultimate goal that has been set for myself every time I trip. To be fear and loathing in Las Vegas fucked up. The 2CB really hit me once I stood up on the beach and the visuals. The visuals were breathtaking. Everything had this golden shine to it, this rainbow reflection. Just like something you'd see when doing DMT on mushrooms. So simple, yet so remarkable. Like a moth to the flame, I was stunned. I became a child witnessing the beauty of this reality, the door of a pizza shop, for the first time. I couldn't figure out how to get in. My trip sitter comes to the rescue and solves the problem immediately to my amazement. He just pushes it forward and it opens. A miracle. I'm fucked up. At least I know where to go now. The food. The pizza looks like the holy grail. If you think I have the mental capacity to order what I want, then you obviously haven't been listening. Which is stupid because this is a podcast. You're obviously listening. What the fuck am I talking about? It seems just recalling that altered state of consciousness has made me act like a dipshit. I'm pretty good at being a dipshit. My friend sets the food down in front of the cashier, but I'm the one who has to pay. I can do this. See, this is why I brought my wallet. I get out my card and... I can't do this. My friend puts in the card for me. I tell him my pen. It's one, two, three, nine. Now, just kidding, it's four. We sit down in a wooden booth and devour our pizza. I got a barbecue chicken pizza slice along with classic pepperoni. He got a mac and cheese slice with a barbecue chicken as well. I look around the restaurant and oh my god, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've so desperately wanted for so long. The visuals were just out of control. It was as if I were Frodo and had just put the ring on my finger. Exactly like that scene in Fellowship of the Ring. I was in a hurricane of colors swirling all around me. Magnificent. Years. Fucking years I've been waiting for this moment. Trying so hard with different chemicals and molecules. Experimenting with different combinations and doses. I had finally achieved my goal. To be in complete awestruck from just witnessing reality. The plain pizza shop was now a three-dimensional piece of art. How dare they make this illegal? I was a king with my pizza and my heightened reality. Only if more could see what I saw. Fewer would be so inclined to throw in the towel and commit suicide with a gun or just with laziness. That was one of the best moments of my life. Enjoying great food after a great hike throughout the city, after a great experience in nature with a fantastic old friend of mine. What a splendid day. I'm experienced. This is what happens when you have many trips under your belt. Bad trips are a myth to me. 
a legend. I don't have them. I don't know them. We depart Ian's and walk some more. I'd be lying if I told you that we did something because I'm not so sure. Oh yes, we went to Black Cat Alley. Google it. It's a bunch of artwork on these buildings in an alley. Looking at art while tripping is an absolute must. This one time I even went to an art museum. That was such an incredible time. Anyways, we strolled through the alley as high as could be, not disturbing anyone or causing a ruckus, just living to our full potential. We walked to somewhere more secluded so my friend can smoke. I start to go in on how society is wank for treating psychedelics like heroin yet parading around in booze. He smokes, I talk about whatever, and honestly, right now it's coming to me as a blur. Not too many important things happened. After walking around the city a little bit more, we decide to go and get some burgers. We get in the car, drive to where the burger place is. We're getting out of the car, and I reach in my bag for my wallet so I can buy some of these burgers. Hmm. It's not there. I check a side pocket. Still not there. I check my shorts. Hmm. Not there. I check my feet. Not there. The side door. Not there. It must be under the seat. Oh my god, it's not there. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. I'm on six tabs, seven grams, two CB, and I've lost my wallet that only had a thousand dollars in it. A thousand fucking dollars. What the fuck? The fantastic weather turned suddenly and the sky became gray and dark. You've got to be kidding me. My friend's face was completely sunken in. He knew our perfect day was now history and the pain and agony of losing a thousand dollars would dampen his night as well. I'm in complete shock. I did not see this coming. Why the fuck did I bring my wallet? Why was there a thousand dollars in there? In a distant time, that would have been the norm as I was selling lots of psychedelics. Helping thy neighbor get their hands on the forbidden fruit without finessing them. I used to pride myself on that. Unfortunately, some bad things happened. Actually, a lot of bad things happened, and distributing fungi medicine was no longer an option. I had a thousand dollars in my wallet because I had to pay rent the next day. Everyone listening to this is wondering why not put it in an envelope and just leave it by the door for the landlord. Long story short, I'm a dipshit. I'm really good at being a dipshit. Now, yeah, but seriously, I was new to this. This was my first apartment, and I always have my wallet. That was a lie. I've lost my wallet so many times that I just stopped buying wallets. When I lose my stuff, I'd only lose a debit card. I've lost approximately 30-something debit cards. Easy. If you ever feel mentally inadequate, just remember me, alright? My friend is angry. Disappointed and most of all exhausted. So am I. 
He knows we're going to have to trace our steps. Back to the alley, the pizza shop, the beach, the walk to the beach. Oh, God. What was the perfect day slipped into the worst trip of my entire life? Except for the time that I lost my mind. And the time I had a seizure. This was, okay, okay, this was my third worst trip. I guess it ain't that bad when I say it like that. It's easy talking about this now. But in that moment, all hope was lost. All happiness was drained. My entire being had become an anxious and terrified animal who didn't know what it would do if it didn't find that wallet. We drove back to the beach and traced our steps. Nothing. What if someone found it? They most certainly would return it, right? But how? How? I call Ian's to see if someone found the wallet. Nope. We drive there anyways and I look where we were sitting. All that's left is pizza crumbs. No wallet. No thousand dollars. Jesus Christ. We trace our steps. All 328 million of them. All the way back to my apartment. Nothing. Two hours ago, I was a confident king in my ability to stand strong and stoic in any situation. Presently, I'm a peasant who has apologized to his friend about a hundred times for ruining his night. He didn't mind. He just felt bad for me. After not discovering my wallet at Ian's or at the beach, I knew it was gone. No one would return a wallet that fat in Milwaukee. If I would have found a wallet with a thousand dollars, I can't promise I'd return it either. I was honestly happy for whoever did find it. Man, what a day they must have had. I was disappointed, but I can't hold a grudge. I can't be angry over some green paper with old white men on it after bearing witness to whatever that insane beauty that takes hold of you on DMT? When we die, holy hell, is it gonna be funny? Thinking about how much we cared about how strangers perceived us, spending most of our hard-earned checks on toys and clothes to make the opposite sex wanna mate with us? Who gives a flying fuck about anything or anyone? Still, this reality is a video game in my opinion, and my goal is to level up. I want to level up as much as I can so my body won't ache at 50 from working in factories for all those years. At the end of the simulation, we're going to have one hell of a laugh, as we do whenever we have those good psychedelic trips. But there's no escaping pain. The pain of watching your child get bullied or turned down by a girl he liked because of the hand-me-downs he had to wear because you couldn't afford to buy him new clothes. Really simple stuff in the grand scheme of the cosmos, but aren't we supposed to live in the now? If I work hard, my children won't have to suffer as much. My body won't either. I'll have the freedom to not care about lost money, to be able to volunteer my time to help the less fortunate instead of slaving away at a mindless job like that of Amazon. We need to have both mindsets running simultaneously. None of this matters, and all of this matters. To have a nice car, but to not think that you're better than another with a dumper. 
I want to be great and not look down upon others, not hate the person who stole my wallet, nor hate myself for losing it in the first place. Instead, to be grateful for a fantastic trip for the most part, a delicious meal, and a story to tell others in which me and my friends can look back at it and laugh. After just two hours, we were over it. That's why I use these substances to find peace and love and meaning in everything, even in me being a dumbass. I know all of you must be wondering, so how did I pay my rent? Hmm. Well, my friend gave me a loan. He gave me a thousand dollar loan. Can you believe that? Be that person. Be my friend. I strive each and every day to be as good as him. After talking down upon people who use alcohol, who need it, guess who was in a desperate need of a beer? Or 30. I didn't have an ID, so my friends had to walk into the liquor store and buy me a 12-pack of some good old light beer so I could drink away my pain. When it comes to numbing oneself with alcohol in order to forget how pathetic one's life is, I'm the best. I'm the Tom Brady of that. Not anymore, thank God, but when you lose a grand on six tabs, seven grams, and fucking 2CB, you automatically get a pass to get drunk. He drove off as I stood on the street, seeing the lights of his car trace off, as the psychedelics weren't done with me quite yet. I entered my apartment, drank a beer quite heavily, and like magic, my problems, my anger and despair all vanished. Now I know why alcohol is so popular, and why psilocybe cubensis is not. Confronting one's problems is quite the task compared to shuffing them under a rug and calling it a day. Actively working on yourself is much more difficult than calling it quits leaving the office an hour early and drinking with a date or some friends. I'm really glad that isn't me anymore. But in that moment, I gave myself a break. I don't remember much else that night. I guess the booze did its job. The next day, there was no afterglow, nothing but depression. Time heals all wounds, and that rings especially true with me, but... I needed more than just 12 hours to get over a $1,000 blunder. I find a voided ID card. It's me with two chins back when I was in high school. Cookie dough, raw, was a staple of my diet. Doritos nacho cheese came a close second. That's basically all I ate. No vegetables, no lean meats, no fruits, no pussy. All I ate was raw cookie dough and chips. Those were the days. I go to pick and save, hoping the cashier will see the desperation in my eyes and let me buy a 12-pack of some light beer so I can numb the pain in my head from being a dipshit. She rejects me. Well, I'm used to that. I walk out of the store, and the weather outside is perfect once again. Every time I'm going through some deep and dark shit, the weather is always perfect. Like God is laughing in my face. I listen to Bill Burr's podcast as I walk down the road to Walgreens. I enter and hope that they have alcohol, and of course, they do. It's Wisconsin. 
I walk up to the counter with a 12 pack expecting to be rejected, but the dude who looks like he's in college looks at my fat 18 year old face with a huge void right next to it and hands it back. I get my alcohol. Thank God. I drink all day while watching YouTubers watch movies and munch on Hot Pockets. It's the little things in life. Well, there you have it. I guess the moral of the story is not to carry large sums of money with you while distorting your reality, but you already knew that. So long. Until next time, peace out.